Welcome to Hope Assembly of God Online. We believe no matter the journey, there is always hope. This is a recording of our live Sunday sermon, unedited, uncut, real. Known Chris, I actually went to school with Chris's brother, uh, Steve, many years ago. I see some family here uh, today as well. Always good for uh, Tony to be here to hear some real preaching. God bless you, dear. Family knows you need it. Thought you could hide back there, but I saw you, didn't you? Such an easy target. When I saw them again today, I said, wow, you guys are veteran missionaries. And Chris caught on right away. He said, yeah, that just means we're old. And I said to him, well, I wouldn't speak for anybody but yourself, but I mean, if that's how you want to categorize yourself, but... uh, Anyway, so Chris shared at the BGMC breakfast, I don't know how many of you were there, I heard such good reports, and Julie shared online. And the reason I'm saying all of that, I want to encourage you to watch the online part of it. Uh, We just kind of talked and conversed back and forth. She told a little bit more about them and how they met and things, just did an exceptional job. And so we're excited to have them as our final speakers for our missions weekend, not our final missionaries of the year, we already have more scheduled, but for this special weekend. And we believe that just as God orchestrates everything, and even the song we sang today, God has orchestrated this time for them to be here at this particular time, because God wants us to bless them, but he also wants to speak through them to touch our hearts and our lives as it relates to missions. So I'm going to turn this part of our service over to them. I'll give the microphone over to Chris first. He'll introduce a video and things. And then when you guys are all done, I'll come back. All right. God bless you. Let's welcome them back to Hope Assembly of God. God bless you, buddy. Thank you, Pastor Randy. I hope, hopefully that's, that's your song. This, hopefully that's your story, that you're praising your Savior. What a, one of the, my favorite hymns, Pastor Randy, is Blessed Assurance. We don't hear it nearly enough. Uh, Thank you, Carl. What a wonderful time. And Christine, what a wonderful time of worship. And the song that we sang, Faithful You Are. And that is what God has been to us through the years, is just faithful. We are serving now in Mexico almost 19 years, been in missions 21 And if I could just say one thing, in those 20 years, God has been faithful. So many questions, so many things, so many unknowns, but God has been faithful. It hasn't always been easy. Uh, There's been a lot of challenges, but God is faithful. And I hopefully you can say that's your story, that God has been faithful in your life, and and you sing about it, and you praise about it, but... uh, we sang that this morning, and it just reminded me, God, 19 years into this, you have been so faithful. You have been so good. I can't say thank you enough. But thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord, for the privilege of working and serving in Mexico. Um, I grew up in Cherry Hill. I'm a, I'm a Jersey boy. I'm a South Jersey boy. But I get a little bit more response. There we go. Thank you, thank you. We speak a lot in North Jersey, and when, when I say I'm from Jersey, they say, where? And I say, South Jersey, they oh, you're from there. <laughs> so I thought I'd get a little bit more love from South Jersey, but uh, 
I know Cherry Hill for some of you may be in North Jersey, but it really isn't. It really isn't. So, but it's good to see some familiar faces. Um, we serve in the, in the city of uh, Guadalajara, Mexico. For those that, that were at the breakfast, you heard some of this. But uh, we serve in the city of Guadalajara, Mexico. We, again, we've been there almost 19 years. Uh, the city of Guadalajara is the second largest city in Mexico. It's roughly 10 million people, so we think of New York a little bit, little bit bigger than New York. And the estimation is less than 2% have a personal relationship with Christ. So we have such a tremendous responsibility and opportunity, especially in these last days. We believe the Lord is coming back soon. We can see all around us things are happening, and we have such a, an urgency and a responsibility and opportunity to, to continue to reach people for Christ. So thank you so much. My wife, Julie, she's going to come up and share just some, in a moment, and uh, we have two boys, Nathaniel and Andrew. Nathaniel is 23. He just uh, graduated and just got married. And um, our own youngest son, Andrew, is 19, and he's in his first year of school. And uh, we had asked that you would take a prayer card up here on the table. You'll see prayer cards. Please take a prayer card and, and pray for us. Pray for the country of Mexico. Our boys are a little bit upset that they're not on this, this prayer card this time. So a little salty with us. They're not happy with us that they're not on the, on the prayer card. I'm like, what's so hard to figure out? You're not going back to Mexico with us. One of them, I said, one of you guys is married and you live in another state. I said, so it's all your choice. So you don't get to be on the prayer card this time. But yes, the question, the follow-up question was, are, you, are we still part of the family? So I said, hey, absolutely, you're, far, you're part of the family. So please pray for the boys as well. You know, we, we went to Mexico when our youngest, Andrew, was four months old. And he's, he's lived his whole life on the field. And our oldest was four years old. Julia was born in Mexico in the city of Guadalajara. Her parents were missionaries. She was uh, brought up in the Amazon jungle in Peru, born in Mexico, moved to, to the Amazon jungle in Iquitos, Peru, for eight years in Guatemala. So a lot of uh, heritage of missions in her family, not my family at all. But uh, God is still faithful. He's still calling people to, the, to, to service for him in the ministry and missions. And maybe you're open to that. And we pray after service today that, uh, that um, if you feel God's calling into, into ministry or into missions, please speak with us. We'd love to talk to you. There's no obligation. We're not signing you up for anything. But God still is calling people. And we're so grateful to this church, Pastor Randy. Thank you so much for the, the notification. Thank you for supporting us. And I know the church is starting to, to support us. But in just a moment, you're going to see a video. And Julie's going to share with some testimonies and things that we've been a part of over the years, mainly for the last couple years, especially during COVID. COVID through, you know, every, obviously everything changed for COVID, not just here in the States, but in Mexico. We had to, to kind of pivot and shift a little bit. And, but again, one door closed, other doors opened. And God was faithful. We were able to use money that people get, have has given and churches that gave to us. We were able to use that to, to help feed people and, and, and pay people's bills and, and, and minister in different ways. But we normally minister to kids. Our, our, Julie and I were former school teachers before getting into mission. So we love working with kids. We love the ministry of BGMC. We spoke this morning. BGMC has blessed us and blessed the people of Mexico greatly. We, this coloring book, BGMC, printed up over 15,000 of them we've given out. A, coloring, a salvation coloring book that Julie created. So we're grateful for Speed the Light. We're grateful for BGMC. And if you're familiar with Light for the Lost, we've given out Bibles and, and, uh, and New Testaments and tracts. So thank you so much for giving. It's making a difference. And everything that you see in the video and you, the pictures that you see at the table here are things that you are now giving to, that you're a part of. 
We're an extension of Hope Assembly in, in Guadalajara, and maybe someday we can have a team come down. We'd love to have you guys come down and work hand in hand with us. It's not too far of a flight. It's not too bad. But thank you, thank you so much for all that you do for missions. God is going to bless you for your generous giving, for your prayers. All the money in the world can't open the doors that God can. So please pray, not just for us, but all your missionaries. We have testimony after testimony of, of how God has, has protected, opened up a, an opportunity, and we have found out later that people were praying at specific times. So thank you for your prayers. Thank you for praying for Mexico. We desperately need a revival in Mexico, central Mexico. We need God's spirit to move across that land. And thank you so much for giving to, to the work in Mexico. We're grateful for your generosity. We're grateful for, for your priority that you put in missions. One day we're all going to reap a harvest. Amen? Amen. You're gonna, you're gonna, I believe you're going to meet people in heaven that you said because... You supported us because you helped the missionaries that went to Mexico or wherever the missionaries that you support. You're going to meet people from those countries and say, because you prayed and because you gave, they were able to help us and we're in heaven now. So thank you so much for your sacrificial giving. So in the video here, you're going to see things that we've been a part of, different ministries. We're a part of kids' ministries and and working with churches, teams, and just a, a, a lot of different things that your support money now will be going towards. So thank you.
go We'll tell the whole world he's got alone We will go Buenos dias. Well, it's really a, a privilege and a pleasure for us to be here today. Um, we love Mexico. It's where God has called us to be. And um, missionaries, as you know, uh, they've come through these doors and they've talked about the countries that um, God has called them to. So our neck of the woods, as we say, is Mexico. And um, we're just so privileged to be able to talk about what God has been doing there in the last, I guess, approximately 19 years. And as we were seeing the signs up here, it says, reach, plant, serve, and train. And really, we've been able to do all of those things, Pastor, really um, reaching people through teams and reaching people through uh, evangelism, uh, planting, helping to plant churches, helping to plant uh, new um, works. And serving, oh my goodness, uh, serving in all kinds of areas with our pastors, our local pastors in the area, and training teachers, training teachers to, to work in children's ministry. Um, Chris and I started out as uh, teachers, and that's where we met, and we were uh, teaching in a school, in a Christian school. I was the fourth grade teacher, and Chris was the um, junior high, high school teacher, math um, that's a whole nother language. <laughs> he had to learn Spanish, but uh, I don't think I could learn math. But, um, but anyway, so God brought us together in that moment and uh, little by little continued to, to put missions in our heart and led us to Mexico. So we're just really privileged to be able to be there and raise our kids there, and do ministry there, and um, just do what God has called us to do and fulfill the, the Great Commission, right? So before we get started this morning, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to pray in Spanish. Is that all right? Thank you, Lord. Señor, te doy gracias en esta mañana. Te doy gracias, mi Dios, por este privilegio de estar aquí en tu presencia, Espíritu Santo, es, eh, te pido que abres cada corazón, que puedes ministrarnos a cada uno. Gracias por esta oportunidad. Gracias, Dios, porque tú estás aquí en medio de nosotros. En el nombre de Cristo Jesús, te lo pedimos. Amén. Amén. God is good. So when we get to Mexico, fortunately, I already kind of knew the language. Chris had to learn it. He, um, he had learned a little bit of it in high school, but how many of you have learned Spanish in high school? Okay, so imagine going down to live and to, to start a new life with the Spanish you learned in high school. So um, he had to learn uh, quite a bit, and God was gracious. In the first five years, I thought, oh boy, this is going to be a struggle. But 
God is faithful and God brought him through and little by little he, uh, he learned more and more and so, um, so in the video that we saw just now, um, there's a, a very common portion of scripture that we see that's very much a missions uh, statement, which is the harvest is plentif plentiful, right? But the laborers are few. Um, and that's a very common portion of scripture that we see in missions. You've heard it before, right? Um, what I want to focus on a little bit today, this morning, is the, are the verses that come before it in Matthew 9, 35 through 38. I don't know if it'll come up. There we go. And uh, just kind of want to focus. Uh, we kind of forget or not forget, but we kind of neglect sometimes the verses that come before it, but they're really important. And it says, then Jesus went throughout all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were bewildered, confused, disoriented, or lost, and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, it's great, but the workers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. So the part I want you to focus on a little bit there is it says that Jesus had compassion. He had compassion on them because they were sheep. He looked at them with, as though they were sheep without a shepherd. And then it leads into that portion of scripture that we know so well. So really missions is just a form of compassion. And uh, I know you've heard of compassion ministries. And really, if you think about missions, missions is compassion because it's the lost. And we're looking at a, a, a sea of people that are lost, whether that's in Africa, whether that's in the, you know, Europe, or it's in South America. Um, all over the world, there are people here in the United States that we see, as we, as we look at, we see people that are lost. And it should compel us. It should um, move us and have compassion in our hearts to see that people are lost. And that's really what missions is. So that's what we are gonna be focusing on today is that word compassion. And um, a lot of times we have a feeling, right? The compassion within us has a feeling. And different synonyms for compassion, just a few to mention, are sympathy, kindness, merciful, tender-hearted, consideration, sadness, loving, soft-hearted, or gracious. And those are all beautiful feelings. Have any of you ever had any of those feelings? Right, we've all had those feelings. But a lot of times, that's where they stay. They just stay as feelings. And we don't let them move on beyond feelings. And that's where Jesus taught us and gave us the example in the Word of God that when he was moved with compassion, always something happened. The miraculous would happen. And so um, there's a, the next frame. It says, Jesus' compassion always leads to action. So it's great to have compassion, right? But it doesn't really serve in, in the kingdom. It doesn't really um, do much if we don't put it into action. So just some uh, examples for us in the Bible. In Matthew... Uh, the next frame just has a couple of examples. 
Yep, there we go. In Matthew 14, 14 through 21, we see the compassion that Jesus had that he fed the 5,000. Now, we, of course, we know that it was probably more than that. But this is a story that we see in all four of the Gospels. And it says that Jesus was moved with compassion for them. And so that's why he ended up feeding them. So we see, I don't know if you knew that or not, but it said that Jesus was moved with compassion. And that's when he said to his disciples, the disciples were ready to send him home. Okay, Jesus, our time is up. The event is over. You know, uh, they're hungry. We're all hungry. Uh, we're off the clock. Send them home. And Jesus said, no, there's something you can do. You feed them. So Jesus asks us to be involved. A lot of times we ask Jesus to kind of take over and, and uh, do the, the miraculous for us, but God wants us to be involved in the miraculous with him. Um, let's go to Mark 1, 41, and uh, the story of the leper, right? Talk about social distancing. In those days, the leper was outside of the city, and everybody knew that if you had leprosy, you didn't come near anybody else. And if you did come near anybody else, you had to cry out, unclean. Did you know that? Right? So Jesus sees this leper in Mark. And Mark 1.41, Jesus says, then moved with compassion, he stretches out his hand and touches him. And he says, I am willing, be clean. So not only does Jesus just speak to him, or not only does Jesus just ha have compassion on him, but Jesus actually goes and touches him. And a lot of times, compassion isn't going to make sense. God's going to ask you to move in a way that doesn't always make sense. And it might be a way that's maybe going to put you in danger, maybe can um, make you feel uncomfortable, make you feel as though, you know, that's out of my realm. But compassion sometimes will compel us to do things that don't always make sense. It didn't make sense for Jesus to touch a leper. Everybody knew you don't do that, right? But Jesus, he's all powerful. And he's the God who can do the miraculous. And there's no limitations for him. And he touched him. And he showed us, he showed his followers that we need to step out of our comfort zone sometimes and uh, trust God. So the next story, briefly, it's in, math, uh, it's in Luke, Luke 7, 13. And here you have a widow, the story of the widow. Now her husband is gone, and now her son is gone as well. And her son is in a coffin. And Jesus comes onto the scene, and he says, don't cry. He has compassion on her. In another version, it says that his heart went out to her. And he looks at her and he says, don't cry. He goes over to the coffin, touches the coffin, opens up the coffin, lifts up the sun, and brings the sun alive to her. Wow. That's incredible. But the first thing he had was compassion on her. The first thing that he felt was his heart went out to her, and he wanted to do something. So in Matthew 20, verse 30, here we have the story of the two blind men. I'm sure you remember the story, the two blind men that are sitting on the side of the road, and um, the, the crowd is coming, and the commotion, 
right? And, and Jesus and all the crowd is, is making a lot of noise and they can hear that Jesus is there. They can hear, um, they had heard all the stories that Jesus can heal. So they're getting excited. And so the two blind men are sitting there and they're like, oh, now's our chance. Now's our opportunity. So they cry out as the crowd is going by and they say, savior, right? Son of David, have mercy on us. And what does the crowd do? Tells them to be quiet, right? So here they have an opportunity either to listen to the crowd or listen to their heart, and they cry out even louder. Son of David, have mercy on us. And Jesus stops. He turns around. He goes over to them. He touches them, touches their eyes, heals them, and they're healed instantly. And the beautiful part of this story is that they get up and they follow Jesus. And really in missions, there's a lot of compassion ministry. We can help people build a home. We can help people get wheelchairs. We can help people go to the, uh, the, the, the doctor, the eye doctor, the, the dentist. We've done all of those things. But really, all of that means nothing if we don't take them to the feet of Jesus and get them to follow Jesus. And that's really our ultimate goal in missions is to do whatever God has put in our heart and our hands to do, but get them to follow Jesus. And that was, has really been our goal these last 19 years in Mexico. So speaking of compassion and leading people into uh, salvation and getting people to follow Jesus, just kind of want to give you a, a picture of what we do in Mexico a little bit. And you, now you saw the video of um, the, you know, the speed, the light vehicle going through some of the muddy roads and going through some of those crazy streets and so forth. Um, that's not just footage that we took from something. That's actually us in the car uh, going through. And we have two seasons in Mexico. We have dry season and we have rainy season. So right now we're coming, uh, we're in the middle of dry season and April and May and June are our hottest months because it's right before rainy season begins. So in this particular neighborhood that we've been in in the last 14 years, God led us to this neighborhood and there's a lot of children in this neighborhood. So we do a lot of other things. My husband has helped to build churches and helped to build a rehab center and schools up in Oaxaca. And we've helped to train teachers and different things. But one of the things that God let it, uh, laid on our heart to do was to do a kids program. And we've been doing this kids program for the last 14 years in this neighborhood. And so there's this park, and you saw it in the video, there's a park, and we go out there and we set up and we get there with our speed of light vehicle and we unload and we put tarps down and we put tents up and we put uh, the sound speakers, you know, thank you speed of light. We put our sound system up and we get the music going and we draw a crowd. Um, now, uh, I think her name was Kelly, right? The one that was taking the kids out today. God bless Kelly. So Kelly, you know, is taking the kids out, but I'm pretty sure that she's taking them to a pretty much controlled area, right? I don't think motorcycles are going to be going by or horses. I don't think you're going to have uh, drunks coming up and trying to take the microphone uh, or anything like that. So just to give you an example of um, what, what a, a class would look like, it's a little crazy. So you have the... The, now we finally, after about 
the first 10 years, the streets are finally paved. Uh, for the first 10 years, the streets were all dirt and dust, and so you'd be, you know, every time a motorcycle would go by or a car, dust is kicking up and you're, you know, swallowing dust. And, and in the rainy season, it's muddy, and so there's horses going by and motion and um, the the right behind us sometimes you get like the whiffs of marijuana coming through because the the teenagers are sitting in the back there smoking marijuana as you're trying to tell the bible story and that's pretty common and uh, I brought my my cowbell with me today so a lot of times during the class as you're teaching the class this is what you hear So that's what you hear as you're trying to teach the class about Jesus, all kinds of distractions. And the reason they bring the cowbell is that's the garbage. So the garbage is coming through the neighborhood on Saturdays and they everywhere through all throughout Mexico, the garbage, that's how they let you know that they're coming. And so they come so that you can take out your garbage because they're street dogs, which we also get dogs that come to the class. And sometimes we've had fights break out and we've had to break up the fights and stop the class. It's just a little bit of a crazy. So um, the street dogs will rip open the bags so you don't wanna leave the bags out overnight. So you have to take the bags out right when they ring the bell and they're ringing the bell because they want a tip. So they also want a couple of pesos as you hand them the bag. So there's a lot of commotion. We've had the kids light the trash on fire in the middle of the class. So it's just a lot of craziness going on. So a little different than how maybe you do kids church. But it's a lot of excitement, and it's never a dull moment, and we just never know what's going to happen from one Saturday to the next. So um, there's a lot of things that I just, you know, you just have to expect the unexpected and be flexible. So those are, that's what our class looks like. So we started this class, and over the years, we had uh, several families come through. We've had many families. Some of them um, are now bringing their children when we first started. The kids that used to come, now they're bringing their kids to the kids' class. And I'm going to go to the next frame, and I'm, I think you'll be able to see a picture of Julia at the top there. Julia is the one with the turquoise um, top on in the upper picture. And Julia, um, as the kids would come to class, it was pretty easy for the kids to raise their hand and ask Jesus into their heart. But it took a little while for the parents. And we were in that neighborhood faithfully going every week, and finally about two and a half years into it, Julia was the first mom to raise her hand for salvation. And, uh, you, you know, it, it, it got discouraging. Imagine after two and a half years, nobody was, you know, knocking on doors and having them come out. And so if you're praying for somebody to get saved, don't give up. Keep knocking. Keep knocking, keep inviting, keep talking about the Lord. You just never know. So Julia, after about two and a half years, raised her hand and, and, and gets saved. So she has seven girls. And these seven girls, um, most of the time, would come to the class. And, and Katya here at the bottom, she was one of our faithful girls. And then we had a girls class that we did for about four years. And then Katya turned 19, 20, 21, and 22. And she got involved, in those years, she got involved in drugs and alcohol. And uh, she was really on a slippery slope going down pretty fast. And she was very sick and looked like death 
skin and bone. So I went to her mom one day and I said, we have to do something. And this last term, we had been in Mexico for a number of years, but this last term, God opened up an opportunity to do ministry that we had never considered before. We had never um, done alcohol and drug rehab centers. But through Katia and looking for a place for her, we said, God, help us to find a place for Katia. And with missions funds, we were able to put Katia in the program for eight months. And that's her after the program. And here she is with meat on her bones and a smile on her face and much better. And um, through that situation, in the top corner, we had uh, teams that come in, evangelistic teams, uh, missions teams that would come in. And through that, we began to set up um, appointments with the director and said, hey, we have a team coming in. Would you allow us to come and do a program? And so they, at first they said, well, how much does it cost? And I said, oh, it's for you, it's free. So um, they, they didn't limit us in any way, talking about the gospel, talking about Jesus, praying for them, laying hands on them. And so the first time we did it, I'm, I have to admit I was a little scared. I do kids. I do children's ministry. And so to walk into a rehab center, an alcohol, drug, and, and rehab center, it's a little different. They kind of look like inmates, you know? And uh, they look like tough, a tough gang. But let me tell you, by the end... They were bawling with tears in their eyes and just crying. And so the guys were hugging on the guys and the girls were hugging on the girls and just a beautiful time of ministry and just uh, God restoring and God doing beautiful things. The youngest person in the rehab center was 13 and the oldest was 63. So God can still reach at any age. The devil wants to get them at any age. The, the devil's out to get Every person, he doesn't care how old you are, but he wants to destroy everyone. So through that, now this last term that we've been in Mexico, we have been involved in seven different rehab centers that God opened the doors for. And the last one that we were in, this, this bottom picture, um, I asked the director, I said, what, what is your greatest need? And he said, well, we need, we need more beds. We're not, the, the men are not fitting in the room. So we were able to then, through missions money, put uh, 25 bunk beds in that room, which means 50 beds. So praise God. So God has just been faithful, and, and that was a door that God opened that we never, ever considered before. So you know how I said that sometimes it doesn't make sense? Sometimes uh, compassion isn't going to make sense to you, or it's going to be something that... Um, feels, you know, out of the ordinary. Well, this was one of those situations. And we're going to go to the next picture and just kind of uh, give another testimony here. This is Lourdes and Sergio. They're a couple that we met uh, years ago. They brought little Pepe, little Pepe here in the, in the um, infant car seat. In that seat, he, that time he's 14 years old. About three weeks ago, he turned 17, and he is still in an infant, infant car seat. But he was born with an incomplete esophagus, so he, everything that he eats is fed through a feeding tube. We've taken him to hospitals. We've taken him for, for um, x-rays and so forth. He, he needs an operation, but he's too skinny to make that happen because the anesthesia would... would kill him. So he has to gain enough weight to be able to have the operation. So we're just, just still praying for him. But through little Pepe, we would continue to visit Pepe's um, mom all these years and continue to, to visit them. And they needed a washer. We got them a washing machine, which seems like a, a, a good solution to her problem. But then we realized that 
um, they needed, they didn't have enough power, the water pressure, so we had to put tubes underneath the street to get, um, dig up a, a, a line to get the water through because there wasn't enough water pressure, there wasn't enough electricity coming into the home. So it, you think it has an easy fix, but um, it's a lot of times there's not no easy fix. But eventually we did get the washing machine going and so forth. And so the top picture up there, you see them putting a door on because one day while they were at the market trying to sell their, their um, goods that they sell, somebody tried to break in and steal the washing machine. So we ended up getting them a, a metal door instead of the, the wood door. So missions money helped to get that. And uh, just trying to help them along the way. Um, poor Sergio, he had one leg amputated. He has uh, diabetes. And just trying to help them with their different needs. And little by little, over the years, just knocking and, and visiting and, and, and uh, continuing to take the word of God to them. Lourdes doesn't read or write, so I would try to, on CD, give her the word of God, give her music, Christian music, and so forth. So finally, about eight years visiting, continuing to visit, about eight years in, Lourdes finally gives her heart over to the Lord. And then shortly after that, her husband, Sergio, comes to know the Lord. And about two doors down, God opened up a little church and a little little tiny home church that opened up because they can't really get around too well with their dirt streets. And I said, God, you're so faithful. And they could get to the church very easily. And then um, about two and a half years ago, Sergio had to have his other leg amputated. And um, with infection and so forth, in that very room where it says 19, um, I stood in that room as Sergio was laying on the bed and he was dying. And uh, Sergio, in amongst his moans and groans, was saying, I can't wait to see Jesus. I can't wait to see Jesus. So I was holding Lourdes' hand. It was a, you know, uh, an unsettling moment. But at the same time, I said, God, thank you. Because Sergio's going to spend eternity in heaven with you. So, you know, when we, we think about missionaries, and you, I know this church supports a lot of missionaries, just think of all the people that are going to be in heaven yes. around the world, the faithful partners that you've been partnering with, all of those missionaries that have been leading people to the Lord around the world, they're going to be in heaven, and you have had a, a part in that. Isn't that wonderful? So um, as we go back, we've still been in touch with them. We still have people helping them and taking milk and so forth. And we are in touch with them every week and continuing to help them. They have a lot of needs. But Lourdes, at least in her heart, she knows that she's going to see Sergio again. And we're going to see Sergio now. He's in heaven. He's going to have his legs and jump, jumping around. He's, he's uh, healthy and strong. And uh, we're just so grateful to God. As we go back to Mexico, we were gonna, we're going to continue to help this family, but God is faithful, and God is continuing to, as we said, the sheep without a shepherd said he'll found his shepherd, and this family has a shepherd, so praise God. We have another picture of um, Yadira. This is Yadira and her kids, and so there's so many families that we visit all the time. Throughout the week, we go visit. Um, some of them have different needs, and um, whether it's, you know, food or whether it's um, medicine and so forth. So in this particular 
Ace Yadira, I went to go visit her and I said, Yadira, why aren't the kids in school? And she said, well, this year we weren't able to do that because um, you know, we, don't, we didn't have enough for the inscription. So in Mexico, even though it's a government school, you still have to pay for inscription. Each child has an inscription fee. You also have to pay for their uniforms and they have to have the right sneakers and they have to have all of their school supplies, otherwise they can't go to school. So I went home and I talked about it with Chris and I said, we need to get them in school. So the next picture, um, you can see that we were able to get them all in, uh, inscribed in school. So they're all excited because they get to go back to school. So those are just some things that, that uh, the church here in the United States has been a part of. Uh, we're gonna go to the next picture. Um, this is Juana, Juana and Cornelio. And this is a mom that we've known for a, a long time. This is one of those moms that were, you know, one of those tough moms that, that comes with the kids, right? Um, you know, the, the mom that says, hey, pay attention, and smacks the kid on the back of the head. And, you know, like, uh, <coughs> so she's no joke. So, so uh, well, she has some, some, uh, some kids that are, well, Ruben is a piece of work. So he's the one with the, the smile right in front of him right in front of her. So um, we've been with this family a, a number of years and they, she's kind of been coming out to the kids program and helping them along and so forth. So um, over the years, Juana um, has always been willing to help, but she never really wanted to give her heart over to the Lord. Um, willing to come along, willing to, you know, be part of the kids program and all of that, but it was always that like resistance to accepting Christ as her savior. And several years in, finally, Juana decides to accept Jesus as her savior. And so started picking her up for Friday night services at the church. And uh, we had this course that was going on. And so we're picking her up and taking her. And um, she wanted her husband to go, but he was very much against it. And Cornelio, on Sunday mornings, she would say, well, why don't you go with me on a Sunday morning? And he did not allow her to. He said, no way. There's no way. I want, that's our, our family day. That's the day we're going to, you know, be together and, and we are going to go, you know, be together as a family. And so he did not allow her to go Sunday mornings. So I said, Juana, you just keep praying, just keep praying and allow God to move in his heart. And so Alex up in the corner here, Alex started getting involved in drugs and alcohol and the dad, Cornelio was getting very upset because, you know, his son, he didn't expect his son to be going down that path. And uh, so Sunday morning, Juana said to him, you know what, why don't you go to church with me? Let's go. And he said, okay, reluctantly, kind of, yeah. So he goes to church with his hat on, and he's sitting there, and he's kind of like, all right, you know, uh, I, I guess I should see if God maybe has an answer for me because I don't know what to do about my son. And so his son was now in a rehab center, and uh, we helped we helped him to, to be in a rehab center. And Cornelio, that morning, Sunday morning, the pastor was speaking. And by the end, Cornelio had tears in his eyes and raised his hand and ex accepted Jesus into his heart. And from that Sunday forward, he never missed. And he's been going and going every Sunday. And so they would faithfully going and, and just as a couple and as a family, just, you know, really coming to, to know the Lord and, and those new babes in Christ and so forth. And so I said, you know, Juana, now that you're following the Lord, uh, if you really want all that God has for you and all of God's blessings for you, you guys probably should get married. You know, you have five kids together and, um, 
you know, um, the, the Bible says and teaches us to, to uh, you know, be married and so forth, and, and there's blessing in that. So um, here we are. We help them because, you know, it takes money to make that happen and so forth. So with missions money, we help them to get their license and so forth. And there they are signing their marriage license and getting married with his best uh, groom hat on. So these are just some testimonies of God's faithfulness, God's goodness to us. And, and we're going to go to one more picture here. Um, well, or I'm going to skip Oli, actually, because I think we're running out of time. But I'll skip Oli and go to Beverly. Um, Beverly is, is a beautiful lady, uh, 74 years old. And just to give you an example of when we have missions teams come in, we have construction a lot of time. We have um, evangelism teams that come in. Sometimes it's both. And in this particular case, it was a construction team. And, and my husband is not a construction worker, but there was great need there. So he you know, took it upon himself to help build some churches now and, and help build some schools and so forth. So God is faithful. Uh, a lot of times I saw a sign that said, God's not looking for your ability. He's looking for your availability. So um, just because it's not something you've done before doesn't mean that God doesn't want to use you to, to do something for him, right? So this, this construction team comes in, and you can kind of tell who they are when you go to the airport to pick them up because the construction team, you know, they're the ones with the Timberland boots on, and they're the big burly guys, you know, and they look like gringos. And they're coming in, and they're like, you know, and they got their luggage. And with the team, all of a sudden I see Beverly, and she's got her wheelchair, well, her, her, her like, um, it wasn't a wheelchair. It was kind of like one of those... Walkers, yeah. So she's got her little walker and she's coming out like this with the team and she turns her little walker around and she sits down with the team and I'm saying to myself, how's that going to work? Is she with the, t is she with the group? Because now my husband had told me there's a nurse coming on the team and there's a social, a social worker coming on the team. So I said, okay, great. You know, and if you, I could provide a day to go out and, and um, find some, some people that needed, uh, you know, medical assistance and so forth, I'm yeah, great. So Beverly, um, as we go and get the team, uh, I see the social worker coming out and she's walking with a cane because she had a hip replacement. So she's walking with the, with the, hip, the, the cane and she's walking out. And so I'm kind of saying to myself, now, if you could see our roads, some of our roads there in Mexico, we've got a lot of cobblestones, we've got dirt streets, we've got, you know, a lot of challenges in that area. So I'm saying to myself, oh boy, how's this going to work? So Beverly and this other lady get in the car with me. We had the luggage, and then the rest of the team got into the van. And so Beverly turns to me, and she says, Oh, Julie, I'm so excited about doing ministry with you and, and visiting families and, and doing some medical missions with you. Um, just really looking forward to that. I said, Yeah, praise God. And I'm saying to myself, Okay, I only really planned for one day. So I get home, and I said to Chris, I said, Chris, um, so what's with, he goes, I didn't realize that that's, you know, that she's going to be here the whole week, that that's really what she came to do. I said, okay, let me call some, some of the pastor's wives and see if in their neighborhoods, if they need help and so forth. But I really kind of, in my mind, had limited what Beverly could do because of her limitations physically. And as I saw her at the airport, I thought, man, how's this going to work? This, this is going to be a rough week. So as we started working, 
And the, the construction team went off, the construction crew went off uh, to, the, to the church to help build. I took Beverly and this other lady and we went, and we went into different neighborhoods. We went into the to the Coley, the neighborhood that we've been in um, for the last 14 years. We went into several other neighborhoods and worked with pastors' wives, and um, and the people from their church that needed medical assistance and so forth. Beverly was nonstop. If there were stairs, she would put her walker to the side, and she would go up the stairs. If there was a, a road that was cobblestone, she would just you know, hold on to my arm. And she said, I can get there. I can do it. It just takes me a little bit longer, but nothing's going to stop us. And I was just amazed to see Beverly do what I never thought she could do. Up and down stairs, going up and down these roads that were dirt, uh, cobblestone, everything else. Nothing was a limitation for her. And she was going, I mean, she was, she had been an RN, um, in the emergency room for years. She knew all the medications, she knew all the whatever had to be done and so forth. She had been working in it for years and was an expert in this field. And so as we were talking to the, to the um, patients and so forth, she, of course, I'm interpreting for her and so forth. We even, in one of the, in one of the homes, one of the, uh, the ladies, and she was going through a hard time with her husband. She was a believer and loved God. She had her two daughters there and so forth. Um, Beverly and I prayed and, and the other lady, and she got baptized in the Holy Spirit like that and just started speaking in tongues. And, you know, it just beautiful moments, just gorgeous moments, divine moments that God provided. And by the end of that trip, I really had to ask God for forgiveness. And I said, God, forgive me, because we look with our natural eyes and we see limitations. And God sees with his eyes, with his spiritual eyes, and there are no limitations. So I just want to encourage you this morning that you might think you have limitations. And I think in the very last picture, I think it's the, the picture of the, the, the young lady. We have teams that come in with youth groups. So you're, the, the, the idea here is, is that you're never too old to serve God, and you're never too young to serve God. And this girl was 16 years old, and she came in with a youth group uh, from one of our churches in New Jersey. And we went to the rehab center, and she couldn't necessarily speak the language, because a lot of times you, you say, you know, if... Um, if I just spoke Spanish, or if I just did this, or if I could just have those abilities. All she did was just hug on this girl, and God just, I mean, they must have held on to each other for 10 minutes, and the healing, that healing that just came over this young lady who had been abused, had been abandoned, had been uh, in situations that nobody should ever have to go through, and the healing that just came over her through a hug. So God can use all of us, and there's no limitations for God. And one of the things I love about compassion is that if God moves you to do something, it could be as simple as a hug. It could be as simple as the lady that you were talking about that, that, that writes letters and writes cards. And, and whatever that ministry looks like for you that God has, that compassion, whatever it is, that God would use compassion to compel you to do something for him. That though, a lot of times it just stays a feeling. Don't let it just stay a feeling. 
If God is moving your heart with compassion to do something here in your neck of the woods, in your job, with your family, with your school, with your, you know, whatever it is that, that you're going to on a daily basis, your surroundings, God wants to use you. And let God, God's compassion move you into action here. And as God continues to move us into action in our neck of the woods, which is in another country, thank you because the church helps us to go to these other countries to be able to do what God has asked us to do. So we're so grateful to God, but we just want to encourage you today that it's not just the missionary's job to be moved by compassion. It's every single one of our jobs to be moved by compassion. And just let the story of Beverly and this young, this young student who came down on a trip and uh, spent her money to come down and be used by God on a trip to, to do missions. God can use anybody. You're never too old. You're never too young for God to use you. Amen? Amen. So let's pray this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. God, I thank you so much for the privilege that we have to take your gospel around the world. God, it's such an honor to share the message of hope, the message of love <coughs> that you have for each one of us. Thank you. We'll continue to pray. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you for the privilege of, of going to Mexico. Father, going all around the world. Father, the privilege of sharing your message. Lord, the message of hope to people that are des in desperate need of hope. People, as, as you said in, in your word, that are, are sheep without a shepherd, that are lost, that are helpless, Father. <laughs> Father, we see that there are people around in, in our local area, in our families, and in, in our communities, Father, that are like that as well. Father, help us to see those people as lost, as sheep without a shepherd. Help us to be moved by compassion to do something, Father, to reach them. I thank you for this church. I thank you for Pastor Randy, Father, for the leaders, for the BGMC leaders, for the Speed Delight leaders, Father, for everything that this church is doing to reach people to reach lost people for your kingdom, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father, that we have, that you choose to use us to reach people for your kingdom. We're so grateful. We're so privileged, Father, that we have that, that opportunity to work for you, to work with you, to be used by you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I thank you for this church, Lord. Bless them and all that they're doing. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to Hope Online Podcast. For more information about Hope Assembly of God, go to www.godgivesyouhope.com or download our app in the App Store.